Chapter 4 I bounded up the front walk of the little bungalow, my hand gripping the Glock in the shoulder holster inside my winter coat. I called out as I threw open the front door. Carlotta! Carlotta, it's Fitz. Where are you? Upstairs, in the guest room. I took the steps two at a time. She had the kid by the arm. He was sullen, narrow as a ferret, and probably as hard to catch. His eyes were green like a cat, and his skin was the color of cappuccino. His loosely kinked black hair was cut high and tight on the sides, but dyed blonde on the top like a popular football player. He couldn't have been more than thirteen by his height, but he already looked like life had run him through the ringer more than once. The hair, combined with his scrawny frame and the anger that seethed from every pore, made him look like a burning match. The room, which had been perfect when the cleanup crew was still there, looked like it had been tossed. The mattress and its ruffled spread was off the bed frame, and the drawers to the white dresser were open. Women's sweaters and other winter clothing spilled onto the hardwood floor. I let loose of my Glock. Who's this? Carlotta yanked the kid by the arm. This is Marco. I found him going through the guest room closet after we got back from Puccini's. So, Marco, what are you doing here? Marco jerked away from Carlotta and shoved his long-fingered hands into the pockets of his jeans. Looking for my shit. What shit? He says he was staying here occasionally and he left some personal belongings. Carlotta looked like she didn't believe him. Like what? She didn't let him answer. You killed my sister, didn't you? She let you stay here to keep you out of jail and you killed her. She grabbed Marco and shook him. No, I never killed her, bitch. Leave me alone pushed her away. I put my hands in front of Carlotta to keep her from coming after the kid again. Tell me how you got in here. I got a key. Who are you, a fucking cop? I'm your worst nightmare, a P.I. You know, a private dick. He looked me up and down. Yeah, you look like a dick to me. I resisted the urge to backhand the little bastard. Carlotta stood back, her hands on her hips, pissed off. When did you stay here last? He wouldn't look me in the eye. Two nights ago? Thursday night. Uh-huh. You know Miss Ippolito was murdered, don't you? Yeah. His sullen expression didn't change. Were you here when it happened? He looked away and the tough look fell from his face. No. Why should I believe you? I was at my mom's, okay? I told that old bastard at the police station, too. She was with me. She backed me up. The kid had probably been through the system enough that he knew the police couldn't interrogate a juvenile without a parent or guardian present. And most likely, Mom would back up his story if he said he was on Mars. Detective Barnes, you mean? I'm sure your mom wouldn't be the first parent who's ever lied for her kid. He stuck his pointed ferret chin at me. She didn't lie. Sure she didn't. How often have you been staying here? One, maybe two nights a week. When my mom gets cracked out, mostly. My knowledge of crackheads says they don't do it once or twice a week. They do it all the time. So where are you the other nights? He shrugged. Around. And your mom was sober enough to know you were there and what day of the week it was at the same time. He glared at me. Fuck you. Carlotta ducked into the closet, coming out with a scuffed black nylon backpack. She threw it at Marco's feet. Is that what you were looking for? It'd be pretty hard to hide this under a mattress. Marco scowled at her. The room looked like this when I got here. Her eyes widened, but she didn't speak as the specter of that leather-bound journal returned. 
Was someone watching the house and got in after the cleaning crew left? Who could it be? What was in that little book that the killer would return so quickly just to toss the one room not originally disturbed? Did that mean Marco interrupted the killer? Most importantly, what the hell was Anna Maria involved in? Marco was stone-faced. I picked the backpack up and dumped it on the bed. A burner cell phone, toothbrush, toothpaste, a pair of blue boxers, and a small bag of weed fell out. I picked up the baggie. So, I'm guessing you're not taking this catnip home to your kitty. He snatched at the bag as I stuffed it into my pocket. It still didn't speak. What do you want me to do with him, Fitz? You're going to call the police, aren't you? She exhaled, puffing out her cheeks and resting her fists on her hips, trying to decide. This looks like the killer came back. You need to call the cops. They need to see this, take fingerprints. No. What? You know how this neighborhood talks, Fitz. And you don't think the gossip mill isn't running at full speed right now? That's what I mean. We can't add fuel to the fire if my sister was involved in anything illegal. You don't call the cops, you're hindering the investigation. I turned to the little ferret boy between us. When you were here Thursday night, did anyone call? She got one call. I was up here in my room when I heard the phone ring downstairs. All I heard her say was, stop calling here, I know who you are. And she hung up. Did you tell Detective Barnes that? He nodded. Carlotta and I stared at each other for a moment. The kid may be a real shit, but something told me he didn't have anything to do with the murder. I could see Carlotta was starting to think that way too. I'll tell you what, I'll take the kid home with me and you call the cops. Be honest about everything except the journal and finding the kid in the bedroom. He came home to find the kid here, but he was on the front porch. If he'd stayed in the upstairs bedroom, his fingerprints would be there anyway. I picked up his backpack from the bed and tossed it at him. Get your stuff. You're coming home with me. I ain't going anywhere with you. I pulled out my cell phone. I have Detective Barnes on speed dial. I can tell him you were caught breaking into a murder victim's home and you're in possession of at least a misdemeanor amount of marijuana. He angrily jammed his meager belongings into the backpack and headed toward the stairs. I thought so. Back at the house, I microwaved him some macaroni and cheese and a hot dog for dinner. He didn't talk while he ate. Most people who haven't had a regular meal in a while aren't long on conversation. I sat at the kitchen table, watching him shovel food into his mouth. Margot's story probably wasn't all that different from a lot of kids. With a parent ensnared in addiction, he didn't have the structure in his life to get an education, except on the streets. So what's your last name, kid? Houseman. Your dad around anywhere? He shook his head as his fork chased the last few noodles around the bowl. Where is he? Dead. How did he die? Is that any of your fucking business? What are you trying to be? I'm just trying to figure out how you ended up staying at Anna Maria's house. She was my gal. Your gal? What kind of street shit is that? My gal? My guardian ad litem? Uh... Ohio courts appointed a guardian ad litem to make certain that the best interest of a child is kept front and center in a juvenile or domestic case. A gal, as they were called, would investigate the facts of a case and prepare reports for the judge to aid in his decision. But they rarely took custody of a child. What was the case about? My mom. She's looking at four years in Marysville for drugs. She's out on bond, but her hearing is next month and she'll probably get convicted if she doesn't cop a plea first. Fucking prosecutor bitch wants to put me in foster care. Hey, watch your mouth. That prosecutor bitch is a friend of mine. Don't you have any other family who could step in? 
He smirked. Bunch of drunks, whores, and thugs. That's why Ippo let me stay with her every now and then. Ippo? Yeah, I, Anna Maria. I nodded. Look, I'll make you a deal. You can stay here, but you play by the house rules. You've got to go to school, be at home at reasonable hour, and most important, you've got to tell me the truth about what was going on with Anna Maria. And what'll you do for me? He leaned back in his chair and raised his chin, like he was some kind of tough wheeler dealer. How about I go talk to the prosecutor and see if you can stay with me until this gets resolved? He shrugged, but he followed me up the stairs. I found a clean towel and washcloth in the linen closet, showed him where the bathroom was, then back downstairs. In a few minutes, I heard the shower come on. After he was done, I heard the guest room door close and lock. After a few minutes, I tiptoed up the stairs. I pressed my ear against the door and listened to the sound of a young boy crying into his pillow. The next morning was Sunday, but they didn't stop me from getting in touch with Prosecutor Alicia Linnerman. Probate boy's Porsche was parked in front of Puccini's, but I knew he wasn't there. I'd seen him running through the polished suburban streets despite the February cold. I parked the excursion behind the Porsche and turned to Marco, sulking in the front seat. He was still pissed that I'd made him get out of bed by nine. I thought we were going to get my shit from my mom's. We are, but I need a cup of coffee first, and there's someone here that I need to talk to. He rolled his eyes and unfastened his seatbelt. Not Ippo's sister, I hope. Man, that bitch. Hey, watch your mouth. Marco wasn't the first moody teenager I'd ever dealt with. Even though I had no kids of my own, I came from a big Irish-Italian family. Brothers Aiden Jr., who called him AJ, Randy, Matteo, and Polly, and sisters Chrissy and Katie. I fell between Randy and Chrissy in the birth order, but was closest to baby sister Katie. None of them called me Fitz. That was a nickname I'd come by in high school. They all called me by my given name, Niccolo. Every one of them had a bunch of kids, just like you'd expect in any good Catholic family. AJ and his wife were the first to have grandchildren, and Uncle Nico, as my nieces and nephews called me, had done enough babysitting through the years to be certain it was a good thing I'd never had any kids of my own. We're going inside to get a cup of coffee and speak to Prosecutor Linnerman. Oh, man. I continued on in my best cop tone. You will mind your manners and you will keep your mouth shut. I'm going to make our case to her to let you stay with me. What if I don't want to? He stuck his thin chin out again. I patted my jacket pocket. I still have that nickel bag of weed. I have a feeling it's enough to get you time in Juvie Hall until they decide your mother's case. His shoulders sank. That's what I thought. We're playing by my rules now. Alicia was sitting in the corner, reading the Akron Beacon Journal, sipping on a jumbo cup of coffee, her shoulder-length brown hair falling forward in her soft face. She had one short leg tucked around the chair, the other under her bottom. I couldn't see them, but I knew behind her heavy black eyeglasses were mesmerizing eyes of cornflower blue. She was in a Cleveland Marshall College of Law hoodie, running shoes and black leggings. I couldn't help thinking that tall, athletic Gracie would have looked better in that, but it's probably never good to compare one woman against another, especially when one of them is your dead wife. Still, Alicia stirred something primal in me. I steered Marco by the shoulders through the crowd of morning customers until we were at her table. Good morning, Counselor. Her head jerked up and she pushed her glasses up her nose. Something I would have called longing a year ago flashed across her face 
but was quickly replaced by a hard, all-business look I was now all too familiar with. She also recognized Marco. Hello, Fitz. What are you doing here? And why do you have a death grip on that kid's shoulders? I was hoping to ask you something regarding Mr. Hausman's sleeping arrangements. He's been placed in three foster homes and run away from all of them from what Family Services tells me. He keeps returning to his mother's house. She's under indictment for felony drug possession. He's been told more than once he could end up in Juvenile Hall. Isn't that right, Marco? He shrugged, his green eyes raging. I suppose you know he's also a person of interest in the death of Anna Maria Ippolito. Police are checking out his alibi now. I didn't kill her. Conversation around us stopped fast and customers stared. Let's take this outside, shall we? Alicia pointed toward the door. Once outside on the sidewalk, she continued. What the hell is it you want with this kid? And why should I say yes to whatever you're going to propose to me? You haven't been the most reliable in that department. Let me be his temporary guardian. Let him stay with me until his mother's case is resolved. You know he was a client of Anna Maria's, right? I'm aware of that. You also knew I was dating Anna Maria too, right? Casually dating, I mean. I long ago gave up keeping track of your romantic entanglements, Fitz. She looked down at the diamond on her hand as if to remind me she was off the market. You probably also know that Barnes dragged me in and tested my weapon. Marco looked at me for the first time with awe. You a suspect too? I put my finger against my lips. I'm not going to comment one way or another on an ongoing investigation. All I'm asking is for you to let me have custody of the kid for a little bit. That's it. She chewed her lip for a moment as she thought about it. Okay, he can stay with you. Come by my office Monday and I'll sign the emergency custody order, but once his mother's case is all adjudicated, he goes into foster care, you understand? Any officer of the law finds this kid out after curfew or otherwise, not under your control, and it's over. He's in juvie. Marco started to object, but I shushed him. Agreed. Thank you, Counselor. I must be crazy. Alicia shook her head and walked back into Pacini's. I couldn't help but bite my lip as she walked away. God, I was stupid to let her go.